0: The following announcement has been paid for by Wild Games Productions. Great smell from the Great Hello. Yes. Hello. we're here on Volume Four, Issue Number One Sixty Six. Sweet. Yeah. So this week uh, we're back after a long hiatus. Right now we're in the con season, so a lot yeah. of us are moving around, grooving. I know Matt right now currently is at Gen Con, probably finishing up his day right now, and uh, probably heading back home soon with his girlfriend. And I noticed that he popped the question too. Yes, he at did. Gen Con. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh man, I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's now he's now my new best friend. Yeah, he is legendary right now yeah. in my book.
0: Like John Cena legendary or <sighs> <laughs> anyway he uh... And a
1: huge sigh comes over the airwaves.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sorry though, I was just, you know, that was Sal's, you know, big fan of it, so yeah, so he at Gen Con. So congratulations to Matt, and he?
2: Congratulations, absolutely.
0: Yes. So hopefully he'll come back with some good story, maybe some recordings. Hopefully from Gen Con.
1: And that's the hardest time to lead the convention is on Sunday.
0: Yeah, because like,
1: yeah. you're standing around. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. And you're like, I don't want to go. It's like, I don't want this to end ever.
0: Yeah, meh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nah, it's gonna end.
1: I know. It's such a bittersweet end to the convention.
0: Uh, should I ask why John Cena's music is going off right now? Sal? Uh, yeah. Apparently John Cena is calling Sal right what now. I'm sorry, the what?
1: the heck was that? That was
0: John Cena's entrance music. I don't know why Sal played that, but sorry, folks.
1: Okay. <laughs> You're now entering the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we're recording in January. Anyway, <laughs> here we are.
1: <laughs> We've just
0: had 15 shows in a row. Sal is drinking nonstop.
1: <laughs> a They're all been in January and February.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Nick, what have you been doing?
1: Um, uh, well, I've as far as the gaming situation, like uh, our listeners, I think I've said before, we're alternating between campaigns i think it's working the best you know just running star wars d6 i'm doing the uh, uh anomalous subsurface environment land of a thousand towers thing and i'm using the uh adventures dark and deep roles for that and uh just did the last the last session it was it was mine and uh i have to give some uh some props to my uh to my gaming group here just the look on their faces,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: when they ended up uh, in a certain area of the of the dungeon, mm-hmm. and they found um, some papers. If anybody's not familiar with Land of a Thousand Towers, it's very gonzo, over the top. It's basically uh Thundar the Barbarian with goblins with shotguns. So it's yeah. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know how else you could describe it. But um, with shotguns. Yeah, goblins with shotguns. I mean, what more could you want? And um, they found uh, a whole bunch of papers left over from some scientists from the anomalous subsurface environment. And they're reading through it. And uh, this stuff I found, I actually found it from another person who uh, ran the same thing. And he was posting on um, dragonsfoot.org in their campaign journals. And I liked it so much, I picked it up for for my campaign. Okay. Because he wrote it up so well in a way to where you're reading through this, and he put in, like, parentheses areas of, like, saying, okay, several pages missing, this is blotted out, blah, blah, blah. Like, you found this uh, three-ring binder that's all beat up, and you're reading through this. It's like a technical manual about the subsurface... a a nautilus subsurface environment and um, they're reading through it and they're the the only person who could we read quote-unquote ancient tongue or one of the few people in the group is reading it he's reading through it so i because i had it okay you read this to everybody nobody else can read this besides you and a few other people because most of the party cannot read ancient tongue so he's reading it out loud. They're all listening, and everybody's faces started to kind of screw up and, like, what the heck did we just get ourselves into? <laughs> so at the look on their faces was priceless because the last word they read was dragon. So, and um, what was it? The Somebody in the group said, what was that last word? A dragon. Okay, time to go. <laughs> That was priceless. I love the look of terror on their faces. It was great. So that was the highlight of that of that uh, game session. And um, this coming weekend, we're going to do Star Wars D six in my friend Jeff's new house that he has, and uh, helped him last game session move in. Beautiful house. Oh my gosh, Victorian era house, it's three stories. Oh my god, it's magnificent. And he's got a humongous basement. He's going to have... He's he's going to have the ultimate gaming area, by far. It's going to be so sweet. He's going to have a... He's gonna have, it's like there's four or five rooms, I forget. But one room is going to be the gaming room. He's going to have another room that's going to be just... Uh, like, for wargaming, he's going to have a sand table. And the other room's going to be the bar. So we're going to have a bar area. Mm-hmm going to be amazing <laughs> so yeah that's what's been going on recently in my uh gaming life how about you vince
0: i haven't been gaming much lately i've uh, been mostly just you know farting around doing this and that trying to clean up my room here and reorganize it uh, i actually have been thinking about because i was talking to uh james spawn of bower rider games you know him Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he and I were discussing a couple weeks ago about uh, a street level DC Heroes type game, you know, involving like Arrow and Flash TV show. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we were both thinking about it. he. I know he was going to run a game like that, and he got me back into that idea that I started a couple years ago. So I've been kind of. Looking over, and I recommended him get the Batman, the role-playing game, the one that was the spin-off of the DC Heroes from the... Yeah, uh, Mayfair? Yeah, the Mayfair 90s game. They had an oh, yeah, I remember Batman that one, yeah. one, which kept everything like street-level, uh, which he wanted, so hopefully it went well for him. He hasn't really well, updated. I haven't really been online that much because I've been working and putting my face down to the grind, trying to get a promotion at work. So,
1: uh, Yeah. Sucking up to the boss.
0: Well, not really. Just mostly just working. Everything's been like nonstop work.
1: Yeah, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's fine. Shut up. <laughs> Nick. Kiss my grits. That's okay. I suck up to the boss too. It's <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's really about it. I mean, I want to really want to play a game, but I don't want to go to the local gaming store. Really, I'd rather just play online. That way, i just I find more people that way. Yeah. Don't deal with kids mostly. I hate playing with kids. No, no offense to people that have kids. I just don't want to play with kids.
1: It could be very difficult. We did a show about that, gaming with, with children and how to handle all that, I think.
0: I just don't Didn't wanna, we? A I don't while wanna, back? Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. You and um, Chad had a lot to say in that uh, show.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I've got some experience with it. It can be difficult.
0: I just don't want to go to a gaming store be all excited about a game and then have to sit there while well, Tim's son, little Joey, is trying to figure out which dice to roll and what dice to pull out of his nose to roll for his hit. I mean, come on.
2: Yeah, I just want to play. Or the the uh, I want to be I want to be a fairy. I want to be a fairy. Well, you, you okay? Well, you just can't be a fairy right now. But I want to call the fairies dead. I want to make the fairies come. <sighs> all right, terrific.
1: Yeah. Yes, they're man-eating fairies, and <laughs> they come in and they rip all the flesh off your body. Game over.
2: Well,
0: I understand the importance of not constantly cursing and everything. Right. No, that, that has nothing to do with it. No, that that's my issue with kids. I mean, I can't really just freely talk and play a game. I have to watch everything I say because I don't want to offend somebody. Anyway. Sal, what have you been doing? <laughs> it's,
2: um, well, speaking, I've been working of on Sal, a
0: what? I said speaking of offensive, Sal. No, you haven't offended me. Oh, okay.
2: Um, Not yet. I've uh, <laughs> been working on a Labyrinth Lord campaign oh, setting.
1: Ooh, Labyrinth Lord! Yeah. yeah, I'm
2: a. I I love Labyrinth Lord, and and I've been pretty much hanging on tight to my DCC book because I'm taking am taking little bits and pieces from it. Yeah. Um. So, because the people that I'm looking to play with, they are big fans of the DCC systems, so I figured. I'll take some elements that are familiar to them and I'm going to port them in the, to Labyrinth Lord. Um, but I'm working on the campaign on the world because, and I'm not, I'm not going to get in depth with the, with the players. A lot of, a lot of times I've wasted so much time on building worlds where you go into the tavern and the barkeeper has a name, but then every waitress in there has a name. And the third guy at the table should be this guy. And, because then the players go in there for about 30 seconds and then leave and never go back. Yeah. So I've also, I'm going with the a different angle of, um, basically not going to, well, put it this way. If I were to, okay, Vince, you are from Long Island. You live in Texas. Yeah. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Can you tell me the history of the Island, the Island of, of, uh, New Zealand? Can you tell me like their, their history from let's, let's go a hundred years ago.
0: Why well, yes, it actually started... No, I can't.
2: Right. So now, and that's in the age of technology we have. We have internet, we have phones, we have everything. So now... All right. I don't care. Oh, sorry. Well, that's 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 the thing. You grew up doing what you did. You didn't care about what was over there because it's not pertinent to you. Right. So why come up with a gigantic world of, okay, well, over on here, 16,000 years ago, these elves no longer existed. <gasps> like. Nobody cares. Right. How, and and you, are, you are in a medieval fantasy world. You're growing up in this town. Okay. Now, and, and I know a lot of people get bored with, oh, I don't want to play a farmer. You're not playing a farmer. You grew up as a farmer. Now you're a hero. You're an adventurer. Go out and yeah. do something. But growing up, you didn't know anything past the mountains because you grew up in this house, in this town. Right. So the town, you have, you have the, let, let's call it 50 years of history, which is, you know, We did farming. We traded with these people. And there's another place over the mountains where people go to to find their adventure. But that's all you're going to know. And in coming to those terms, I've never been in contact with those terms before. For me, it's always been every detail of the fantasy world must be created. And it doesn't matter because now when you create all that, you're forcing your players to get over there. Oh my God, you got to get to the Jade Island. Go there. I got to show you the ultimate thing I made. Oh, this way, they're going to run in the sandbox the way they want to, the way the adventure will lead them, you know, and the way their actions will take them, as opposed to me wanting to show them all this awesome stuff I made. Because every DM has it. When you come up with a great idea, you really want them to see it. Sometimes they don't. So rather than railroading, I've been working on this just to kind of. And I've, a lot of it has been working on DMing, not so much you know what the players are going to do, but my DMing because I've had to reevaluate a lot of things and change up the way it works, and we'll see how it goes.
1: You know, I, as you said that, I'm like I did pick up from Origins the uh, I finally broke down and bought the Dungeon Crawl Classics uh, hardbound, and mm-hmm. that's. That's, like, right out of there. It makes And it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you don't have to be – you don't have to make a huge elaborate world if you don't want to. You could just make it about here's the hills, here's the mountains, here's the forest over here. There's some rivers, maybe a lake or two, coastline, a few villages, done. <laughs> <Yeah>. And, <laughs> and, that's and, and it this is? is all you – Yeah, because that's all your characters know. They've maybe heard legends and rumors and stuff, what's going on beyond the mountains or through the forests there, but that's it. They don't know. They haven't been there. So that makes it, and that lends some element of mystery to the uh, the campaign and to the players because I think something like Dungeon Crawl Classics, like you said, is you know we're a lot of there's a lot of experienced gamers we've become kind of jaded in our age and our time so this kind of harkens back to, to some of the some of the mystery that was behind the game some you're you're kind of learning things you're, you're you don't know everything again i want to say you don't know everything again uh but you're trying to go back and have that sense of awe and mystery about the game because you're you were learning it it was new mm-hmm. so i kind of i think it kind of Goes back to that I think that's really Cool
2: yeah I, and uh, That's one of the things that I've, I've taken into <clears throat> when, Being a DM for a Long time I've just been like well that's how I DM I DM that way boom done I've been now rethinking a lot of things just <clears throat> uh, More or less Just to what can I make it how can I make it better For everyone else mm-hmm. because You get feedback and a lot of People don't like the uh, I'm holding up the air quotes the realistic Medieval society they they don't want that in their fantasy game sometimes. Yeah, um, they don't want to be, you know, oh we're poor mud farmers, so you know we got really nothing else. But DCC handles that really well with the, uh, okay, you are good with a staff because you used to be a, a shepherd, so you had the shepherd's hook and you were able to you know boot. So that's your reason for knowing that. Right. You know, oh you were good with a knife because you you were you were a butcher, so your dad was a butcher and your family was butcher, so you, you kind of got you you feel comfortable around knives. That picks up in the back. So now you give that to the player, you know, if the player rolls it or if they choose it, great. Then they tend to run with that so much more mm-hmm. as opposed to, OK, well, here you go. You start off with uh, three copper because your family's poor and your mom makes clay barrels. You know, your mom makes uh, she's a she's a cooper and she makes barrels. So there you go. Go with that. And they're like, oh, OK but now you give them a reason why they're doing this and why they're going out and why they're making this. And they tend to feed off of you and then you get to feed off of them. And it's just, it's just, it works out better. And I've, yeah. I've had a, I've had a great time doing this because that's, it's been in my head of like, wow, I could change this. I could yeah. change me, which is better. And
1: that's what sort of the approach I took when I, uh, when I found anomalous subsurface environment, which by the way is written for labyrinth for Lord rules. And I highly, highly recommend it if you haven't picked it up yet. Um, the Land of a Thousand Towers, it's its a real basic map. There's just in each village or anything, it's maybe a paragraph or two at the most, you know, mm-hmm. And and – in some certain areas around which you know, maybe have a few paragraphs, if that of, you know, where some of the interesting geographical features of the place, but there's no like no real huge elaborate history to everything. There is a history, but the characters, the players don't need to know that the characters probably definitely don't know it. So it's like, and maybe later on, they will discover all that, but you know, it's all up in the air to see where they want to go. Exactly. Yeah, um, I have to force them.
2: Yeah, that's and that's like, uh, in, in, uh, when I started doing this, literally, I said, "I'm like, this is gonna be a quickie thing. I'm just gonna, you know, I'll write this out." And I, I sat down the normal way I was gonna do it, and while I was doing it, I was flipping through the DCC book, reading it, and I, and I just started reading some of the stuff, and I'm like, yeah, "This, this wait, maybe I can do this. This might be easier. Maybe I'll do it this way. This might be better." Maybe, and, and it starts changing. And again, so now it starts to change your personal outlooks on things right? to make it better for the players. Because honestly, I can, I'm not doing this for me. I want to do this because I want these guys to have a great game. Right. And then come back and tell me what a great game it was because that makes me feel better.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. I found out how I've evolved as far as my damning style just in the past. 12 13 years where I've really gone consistently being a dungeon master or you know referee gm whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and when I started with our back in 2002 with our first our hackmaster group I was very detail oriented I would spend literally days going over the adventure and trying to think everything out how things might go have all the stat blocks ready, blah 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 on and on and on and I found out over a while, I'm like, has and I think a lot of it had to do with how my players influenced how I DM'd. Over time, I found out, you know what? I don't need to get, I don't need to get myself stressed out the night before the game and thinking if I have everything ready. Mm-hmm. I should just take a little time, read over the adventure, or at least the parts where I think they're gonna go. And sometimes that's entirely wrong. Yeah. And but even then, it's like, you know, just take a couple hours, you know, or just, you know, take one evening after work, do what you need to do. Done. Don't have to worry about it. And I found out that I my style is now becoming a little more freeform and I find it very liberating. I don't I'm not tied to a particular script or area that does not mean I don't like modules because i love them because i'm a i'm a i'm a lazy dm because <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think i could write my own adventures mm-hmm. but um i i find as far as the rules and trying to remember all the details is not exactly all too important so i i become a little more free form in my uh dming style i don't get all wrapped up in the details anymore and it makes i think a little more fun of fun game
2: I noticed, like doing this now, um, everybody's married, and you know, you have less of the time. I remember I used to be able to sit down on a Saturday and spend all day working on right. uh, on, a, on a campaign.
1: Oh my God! And, for a time, for a right. time, I I was like, even after I was married, for the first seven eight years when we were my wife and I were married, I was a stay at home ta dad. Besides so taking care of the kids, I had boatloads of time. Right. But now, and now back it's, it's work. not so much. Right. Yeah. I'm back to work. And, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes you're working overtime and the wife's doing stuff and the kids are doing things.
2: And so, yeah, time's at a premium. So, so, yeah. Now, and then you get, you get the idea, you write it down. And even if you just put the skeleton notes of that, uh, uh, write this down real quick, do this, then you're like, okay, I have, I can come back to that later because I know what I was thinking. Mm hmm. And it's just that the time crunch on itself is, and you're just saving more time in doing this. You're trying to, you know, put together this whole thing for yourself, and you don't have the time to, you know, write everything out like you used to and have it. This just makes everything easier, and it makes you. Right. It, it keeps you from stress now too. Exactly. Because sometimes when you start getting that, that oh, did I do everything? Did I finish everything? Um, and then you're you're just crazed about it, and this yeah. just gets you. A calm DM is so much better. Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Oh, my God. And all the times that I've run, been a DM in a Hackmaster tournament and making sure I had everything right. And oh God, I had the I ran one tournament. Uh, the, I was the... Well,
0: <laughs> I can see anyway. being really yeah. obsessed and trying to get everything right for a tournament, but for local games, nah. I yeah. can write jot it, things down on a little, you know, post-it and meh, just go with it.
1: Right, and... Or you know if it's your, if it's your home group, you know it's the the group of people you've been hanging out with for for years and years, and you get you get to you get used to each other. You're like family. You you know each other's little idiosyncrasies, and and everybody's. And I think at least I hope that my group that I'm in, they're used to my style of DMing and my my. My friend Jeff, his style of DMing, and I have to say, I think he's a better DM than me. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, because he just he comes up with some really, just some really, uh, some really amazing stuff, some amazing NPCs, and um, I don't know. I just I it uh, it's very liberating now that I have I don't have to spend a whole lot of time. Uh, getting into worrying about the minutiae of everything, and I think it's just because I've become more confident as a DM over the years. It's like, who are the, how are they going to know if I screwed up on a rule? You know, <laughs> if I don't let on to it, they won't know. <laughs> All right, so some D. yeah, that's what tips. I've been doing, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, that's the show this week, folks. Uh, Good night, everybody.
2: Good night.
0: Man, it's really cold outside in January. <laughs> so, oh, <geez. laughs>
2: We're going to have to go forge outside into six feet of snow. Yeah, definitely. Both
1: ways uphill. So, Nick. Yes, sir. Stars. Stars, yes. We have one new star reviewed review on iTunes.
0: Star review review <laughs> on iTunes, okay.
1: Yes, <laughs> it's five stars, and just to remind everybody... You could go to iTunes, go to iTunes store, type in Roll for Initiative on the search, and just uh, navigate your way to ratings and reviews, and you can give us a review. And we are four reviews away from getting 200 reviews. So we're at 196. Nice. Come on, people.
0: Four more reviews. Four more reviews. Or in Nick's case, four more star reviews.
1: Whatever. (laughs) Sorry. Sometimes English fails me. Mouth no worky. But here we go. Uh, This is from Bob Sill, and he says, a fabulous podcast in five stars. He says, hello, RFI guys. Hello. Before this review starts, I am wondering if the reviews read in Christopher Walken's voice is still even partially in effect. Nick? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. We'll see.
0: Well, we could start. We a, come
1: back to that.
0: We could start a new one. We can have Sal do it in wrestling promo style.
2: There you go. <laughs> but Christopher Walken Sunday, is so Sunday, much Sunday. more entertaining. <laughs>
0: Christopher Walken so, is so much more irritating.
2: You said entertaining. Oh, entertaining and
1: irritating. Yes, no, it depends on your point of view. Anyway, he says, "I love this pod podcast." What? I also am a strong believer of clerics with edged weapons. Ha 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 ha. Or just any melee weapon. Around early 2010, I heard about some podcast covering all things AD&D first edition, but I gave it a little thought because I was playing 3.5 at the time. However, I started listening through the entire backlog earlier this summer. As of now, I have caught up. Wow, he has a boatload of time, you lucky guy. The podcast is a wonderful source of experienced DMs, interpretations, rules, and a plethora of genuine, authentic, and Grodinardian advice. Would you say we had a plethora? Plethora? <laughs> <laughs> See, oh. I plethora. <laughs> I've said I've sent all my friends I've sent all my friends are starting to DM here, even if they don't yet play for sedesh. Okay, so that was kind of weird worded, mm-hmm. but thank you for all for the wonderful hours of listening and I hope you all keep recording. So, thank you, Bob. So, we <laughs> hope to keep recording too.
0: <laughs> Actually, this is the last show ever. and...
1: Damn it!
2: <laughs> I knew it.
0: This is Roll for an issue signing off forever, and uh,
2: I am the kiss of death. Sal That's is
0: a... the person that John He's like um... I'm
2: like the summer glow of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you are. Who is the Con, by the way? I'm
1: like the James Stamos of podcasts. <laughs> Every show he's
0: on dies. was <laughs> like the Bruce Campbell of movies.
2: Oh, hey. hey. Wait a minute. Watch. I will take that. I will take that as a compliment. Yeah, hey,
0: I love Bruce Campbell, but every time he's in a movie, he seems to tank for some reason. I don't know why. No,
2: It's, it's because you're watching the wrong movies. It's
0: well, the I, just, I am looking forward to his TV show coming out.
2: Very excited about
0: that. Yeah, I want to see Ash vs. Evil Dead. It looks like cheese in its ultimateness, so good think this on yes. stars I believe but anyway we
1: can always use more cheese
0: yes especially cheddar we all love cheddar I like cheddar <laughs> are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now want to help support the show why not head over to the patreon site patreon.com WGP that's patreon.com WGP and help support the network for as little as a dollar fifty a month Right. 50 a month goes long So, we're going to talk about this week what is the most talked about or most requested in our emails as yes. we rummage through the email bag. <coughs> uh,
1: was that the email?
0: Uh, actually, that was. Uh, that was Sal's dog. He was coming in live from... Uh, uh, Pennsylvania, and he wants to say ruff 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 ruff. <laughs> so, what about the what about our emails is the most talked about email? As uh, Sal's dog had pointed out, is um, designing adventures and just basically as it'll kind of tie in what Nick was talking about adventure design and you know sitting there with the, all this time with your papers spread out and Sal taking up an entire afternoon trying to plan his adventure, which he can no longer do anymore because we're older and. We have responsibilities now. And, boo. Yeah, boo, boo. responsibility. Oh, yeah, I remember you used to get home from school when we were a kid, and we spend all afternoon with the books. And even if we were just reading and just talking, we just still did stuff. But now it's just like, <clears throat> meh, lucky if you can read, like, a passage in the book if you have enough time for that. So so when you're sitting down for your adventure for the week, um, Nick, what do, you, what, is your, what do you do now? when you're planning for your adventure. I mean I know you said you don't really plan out like you used to, but
1: Right. Um I guess I guess for starters is when I whenever it is my turn to DM for the group, which I'm really enjoying like every other month now, now that I don't feel so much under the gun. Which I'm putting this out to everybody, if you could do something like that in your group, it it does two things. If you can alternate between two DMs One person doing one campaign And another person doing another It does two things One It It keeps you Like from being stressed out Like I said And two It gets The The group Some A little more variety You know I mean Instead of like maybe You know Because now we're In my group We're doing Star Wars D6 And mine's Basically You know uh, A gonzo version of D&D Two entirely different things (laughs) And it keeps it it keeps it fresh and lively so I'm just putting that out there if you could do something like that in your gaming group that can allow such a thing I highly recommend it I, I and so see if you can go along with that but for me uh personally when I do prep work um after you know where uh you know after I have some time to do anything um i right now mm-hmm. I might just put a few notes. Like in Word or anything like that. If that, I'll keep a lot of stuff just in my in my head, and so, and just just think about how my how I might uh, approach a particular situation. I will read through uh, parts of the adventure, the dungeon, and certain areas, depending on. what... For example, if they haven't started off at at a dungeon right off for the campaign, I just you know. Read through what um, I have for wherever they're starting out—village, town, wherever it may be—and the little bit on the surrounding area. And that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. I try—I'm trying to keep it as loose as I can, um, well, not worry about statting everything out right away. Um, I kind of gone into the habit of like just giving everything max hit po- hit points. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's easier.
1: That yeah. that might seem like. Uh, 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 if I could say this, a, a, a kind of a, a, a you know a, a jerk move, mm-hmm. jerk. you know. But some, I, it's easier for me, you know. I don't have to keep on rolling hit points for everything. Big jerk. So, ah, well, what can I say? I'm not evil like you, but I'm I'm working on it.
0: But all right, so you so let's just say you don't have a pre-made adventure. Let's say you're. Mm-hmm. You're going to sit there and you're going to be like, well, this week we're going to do a custom adventure and Mm -hmm. it's going to be when I sit down with these ideas that I throw on post-its or like maybe a word pad. I Mm -hmm. usually start with an item because I'm all my campaigns usually revolve around some type of item or villain or some type Mm -hmm. of thing they have to quest for.
1: Right. The Uh, big MacGuffin.
0: Yeah, people just seem to like that a lot. So it usually works pretty well for me.
1: Yeah, it's an easy trope to go to you know so, either it be the one ring or excalibur yeah. or the, the 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 rod that helps worshiping the giant spaghetti monster in the sky yeah um you know yeah the the macguffin ones is a good trope to, to fall upon
0: and i'll start with that i'll write out that little item and i'll write maybe a little tiny background about that item maybe a paragraph just enough that'll it give mm-hmm. it some flavor and if the uh, players ask a little bit about it in rumors or ask, you know, what's about this item, I can quickly look at it and just make up something that the villagers will say about it. Because, you know, chances are that no villager is actually going to know exactly the history of this item. They're just making up stuff that they've heard. So <clears throat> it kind of rolls with that flow. Mm-hmm. What is your take, Mr. Sal?
1: Since you cleared your
2: throat that's, and you want to talk. Yeah, I, think, I know. That's, again... Sorry. <clears throat> no, excuse me. That's that's exactly what I've been working with about. You start out with the one spot and you say, okay, um, uh, for instance, I, I got hit with a, a thought. I'm like, this would be great as, a, as an NPC. It was just the name. A name came to me and I said, okay, this name will be an awesome name for an NPC. I'm going to save mm-hmm. it. So I saved it, had it, and then I saw something on TV and I said, well, if he did this, oh, my God, that could be the NPC. So now I tied that to the name. So now I have this little thing building the snowballs building of uh, i'm going to do this to bring make this npc so now why is this npc here is he a good guy is he a bad guy okay he's going to be a bad guy why is he a bad guy um and then it depends it depends on the people i'm playing with um this particular group that is is forming now they are they are more or less new players um a lot of them played World of Darkness, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. a lot of three five. You know that, or they've looked at three five, and at some point they played that, and then that was that's their extent of playing. Okay. So they're not jaded players. I so I'm not not saying that I don't have to do work, but I don't have to figure out because like if if I were to grab a, my my old group of players and say, all right, guys, the necromancers, they be like, oh. Come on, man. Like, it's the second hundredth millionth time we've done this, and we found this guy with this and this. These guys I can take and say, all right, I want to do this, and I can lead them a little more of a cinematic story just to get – because they're into the story. They're not in – you know, these guys that we're going to be playing with aren't the hack and slashers. These guys are the – we want to know a story, and we want to make our heroes. Like that's them. So this will be easy for me. It'll be a cinematic story, of uh, let's let's run it this way. And I could say, okay, um, this guy's doing this, and this guy's doing this. And instead of doing the hey, go to the inn, find your work, I I can get them in another way, and they'll appreciate that. They'll be like, oh, that's so cool. So it'll be it'll be a little easier on me. Um, but you start from that one little kernel. And you just start building up around it. Yep. And it's it's been, again, I get, just like when you ask people, I used to come up with the thousand-year history of the elves that lived in the woods. Oh, but they're extinct now, so but then who cares? Then yeah. who's going to know? You know, somebody somebody might know somewhere down the road and be like, oh, well, those elves, they're extinct. They've been extinct for a thousand years. Oh, really? What happened? Oh, they were killed off by this magical disease that only killed elves. Oh, and I never heard from him again. No. Oh, okay. Cool. Done. We don't. We yeah. don't need to know. The yeah. We don't need to know the elves' names and who was the first one who caught the disease and the what. You know, we don't need to know that unless it has to do with the story. <clears throat> and all it did was bog me down. So this way, you build the one little kernel. You have, you know, the rod, or you have the the person, or you have the item in the, the spell, the book, whatever it is. <clears throat> that'll be what you build off of. And to yeah. me, that works so much better.
1: And I know one thing that I've been doing, when prepping, you know, when prepping for adventure and DMing and or something original, I think I'm I'm almost going to I think I'm going to a point where, you know, there's I let me premise this with there I think there's two types of approaches to DMing a campaign. There's one that's very, um. Thought out, laid out, where all the different modules are going to be, the history of the, the world, and all that. Very, I don't know if you want to call it ra- railroady,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: but it's it's very it detailed can. and very, it's very much on the set path. But this is mm-hmm. where everybody's, from the one, one point or another, this is where they're going to end up. I think I'm going now to the other approach, which is kind of more of a sandbox type of campaign uh gaming which is a little more freeform which i'm starting to enjoy because i don't feel like i'm tied to one particular storyline it's i'm having the the party the player characters um wherever their nose takes them that's gonna be where the story's gonna go and i'm gonna i'm gonna play off that instead of them playing off me most of the time, as far, as far as my NPCs and stuff, which I will have, but it's going to be more how they're going to drive the story and how I'm going to react to that, and it tends to be a little bit more, a little more. Uh, I think a sense of free form for them; they don't feel like they're tied into one particular place. I mean, yes, we got the we got the dungeon, the anomalous subsurface environment. And we also have the town of Denethics and all that around and and but as far as where they want to go and how they want to do it entirely up to them there's no big master plot storyline there might be a couple of things that might come up depending on where they go but I just have it okay here's the big mega dungeon here's the city it's up to you guys what you want to do it's up to you guys where you want to go whoever you want to interact with it's entirely up to you I'm good with it. Wherever your noses take you, if it's in trouble or not, most of the time it's in trouble. Then I'm gonna go with it, <laughs> and I I find it a very good way of 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 like DMing. It doesn't take a whole lot of prep work, which I really enjoy, because I can keep a lot of stuff just in my mind. Now I don't have to I don't have to jot down a whole lot of details anymore which I which I kind of enjoy. I can I kind of like playing just off the seat of my pants here and just seeing what comes up with I, I am really am surprised with how for for me how I can just come up with stuff spontaneously while in the game and how it plays out and just go with it and, and make some, it makes some it makes them really fun uh, mm-hmm. it makes me makes it fun for me as a DM and I think for the players too.
0: Well, I, I think that's amazing because if you listened to this show three years ago, Nick, you would have never said that. You'd be like, oh, no, I, I like know to, I like to write everything down and pr- right. you know keep to the script. And yeah, if, if it goes three, off the, four
1: years ago, you're you know, right. I was like that
0: off the cuff. I, I get nervous and I get lost and it's just like now you're like, I like it. It's just amazing. And
1: yeah, you know what? <sighs> and I think in that time, Vince, hmm. from then and now I I was I think I was getting kind of kind of bored.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: You know what? I think I kind of got into a rut. I was bored—not with what I was doing as far as what I was playing, but my style. I was bored with the style how I was DMing. And I thought, you know what? I got to get out of my comfort zone. I need to do something different, and and, and make it more lively for me. Yeah. It's probably on the other end, how the, how the players see it, they probably won't even see a damn bit of difference. But what's going on behind the screen and what I'm doing? I'm, I'm being a little more freeform, a little bit more sandboxy. And I'm trying to, um, and I'm almost kind of making a, uh, a amalgam of like having set adventures within a sandbox setting. It just doesn't matter where they're going to go. I mean, if they end up at in their third and fourth level and they end up at Tomb of Horrors, so be it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's on them. I'm... That's where their noses led them. So what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you, after, now that you're doing this, after a little while of doing this, you'll see that some of the stories that your players come up with will be all the all the cuff stuff that you've done, all the on-the-fly mm-hmm. stuff compared to, you know, the adventures. They're like, oh, we went with this cool module. Now it'll be just like, oh, my God, I can't believe Nick threw this at us and we did this, and you'll notice all the stories of, because all the stories that people say about my games are all the ones that are just on the fly, off the cuff, weird, off-the-wall stuff.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I like doing uh, with this one campaign, for example, that, um, like I said, off-the-cuff sort of thing, I had an idea how I was going to do it, mm. but I didn't really know how it was going to pan out. For example, in the Land of a Thousand Towers, the gods, quote-unquote gods, um, aren't what you think they are as far as how Normally, you would think gods are in a, in a fantasy role-playing game. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to reveal all too much because is it, is
2: it Tower of the White Elephant sort of?
1: It's more about. It's more technologically <clears throat> driven. How about that? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> the The gods are more like computers. <laughs> How about that? Huh. Oh, um, cool. But they're so advanced, they have godlike powers and they can they can bestow spells upon their clerics, but. Kind of taking off that, how that was written in the anomalous subsurface environment, the land of a thousand towers setting, I – because he – the guy who wrote it said, you know, you can have literally hundreds if not thousands of different gods and they could be gods of anything. And I thought, okay, if this is like a future Earth, how it is written, like four or five thousand years in the future after some apocalypse of some sort. Then what can I kind of bring from our world, our real world? Then I'm thinking, duh, pop culture stuff. <laughs> so I got <clears> someone who's worshiping basically Iron Man,
0: <laughs>
1: A.K.A. known as the Stark.
0: Ah, nice.
1: Yes, I got another person. Their god, he's actually a, he. He's he's a Jedi. Oh. He he, his gods are like Obi Wan and Luke Skywalker, and they have a Jedi uh, temple and everything. And I, I I just I just winged it with them, and it's and it's like one of the youngest kids in the group. I go, okay, what you're playing a cleric? What kind of cleric do you want to be? Well, I I want to do this. I like to be a Jedi. I'm like, okay. And he kind of looked at me like, what? <laughs> I could do that. I'm like, yeah. Okay. So your gods you go to your temple and you see up on this giant on the giant god's eye which is like a giant television screen. You see Obi-Wan Kenobi and he's talking to you and this is this is what you this is what you might have to do on your quest when you're going blah blah blah. And um, yeah, they're they're running with it. The, they're like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." They still haven't gone on caught on yet what the gods actually are. But <laughs> I, I had this idea. I'm like, well, I don't use pop culture icons from like movies and comic books and television, and those are the gods now. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> and, and, and it's and it's pretty cool right now because now the one, the one uh, uh, Sherry, she's playing a cavalier who worships the Stark. Her shield is from the temple of the god of justice and truth, Captain America. <laughs> she has Captain America shield and her her plate mail is like you know red and gold. So <laughs> she's like, "Oh, this is pretty neat." I'm like, "Hey, cool." <laughs> so well, it, there, that it was comes out of
2: knowing the players names. too. You know, your players all in, would enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's and that's good. That's again, you can't do stuff like that for a con game. No, or if you're gonna, yeah, you know, it's like well, you, you don't know, this. you never know. Like, I know if I were to, uh, for the people that I, I would go to run for, if I were to try to slide in any sort of anime reference, they'd be all over it because they're they're a, a real big, big anime movie. group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, that's, oh my God, that's Howl's Floating Castle. That's, that's this, that's that. I couldn't do anything like that. But I know none of them, none of them are horror fans, you know? So as far as when I say that, I mean, they, they don't watch Old, they would have no idea about half these B movies or, you know, so if I threw something in that, and I've had it happen so far with just mentioning things, they're like, Oh my God, that sounds amazing. And I'm like, Really? it a shitty movie, you know, like, <laughs> and, but it's, it's, if you know your audience, you know, you're who you're playing with that stuff comes out easy and the inspiration can come from anywhere.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. That, and that's a good point you're making. Know your audience, I think that might be another thing that people can get mm-hmm. out of this is your audience being your players. You know, what are they like? Uh, I remember doing this a long time ago, and I did it again recently. It's like I kind of took a poll from everybody in the group. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this campaign. What do you guys, what do you, what do you like, what do you dislike? Where are some things I can improve on? I, I actually ask my players from time to time to critique me. It's like, how am I doing as a DM? What am I doing good? And what am I doing that's not so good? And that will help me improve. I don't know if a whole lot of DMs do that,
2: you know? Uh, I think they'll they'll do a cursory after the game. They go, so did you guys have fun? And everybody will go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll go, how did I do? And they'll go, oh, yeah, great. yeah," Because nobody who wants to say, you know. Everybody has that one friend who will. who will be like, "No, you're terrible."
1: Yes, uh, you know. Yeah. Yes, the comic book store
2: guy. This yeah. was the worst adventure <laughs> <laughs> ever. Worst session ever. And I can't believe you, you did that. Nobody just wants to come out. And if you're doing something they didn't like, nobody wants to be the the negative. Negative nelly. So, here. right. So they'll. The, you really have to trust your friends in order to ask stuff like mm-hmm. that. Oh, I I yeah.
1: trust mine.
2: I mean, yeah. So.
1: I don't know. I mean, that's one thing I, I, I do. I mean, what about you, Vince, as far as prepping and improving on a campaign or some of other things that you do?
0: Well, I've said my prepping style and my improving style, but I think the one question that people say we never really go over is what about you're in your you're in the middle of your adventure, you're on the fly, or you're mm-hmm. doing your thing like I do, and what you're doing and what Sal pretty much does himself what happens when you get to a point that the players are just throwing you for a loop and you don't know what to do, and you're sitting there oh, going... Oh,
1: God, that's every freaking yeah. game night.
0: And you're sitting there going, uh... Um, so instead of sitting there going, uh... um, What I've noticed that I'd like to do all the time is I would like to throw things at them that actually make them stand there and think about it, like mm-hmm. a mystery Seasons. box or oh. maybe a, something on the wall that's written a certain way. They have to sit... So they're sitting there trying to figure this out. Meanwhile, while they're going over in the group uh, what to do, you're sitting there in your mind, okay, while well, they're doing this, now I can think ahead what I want to do next. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot. Make them explore things on their own and interact in the group with each other while it gives me a chance to think.
2: What were you saying, Sal? Uh, no, it's just, uh, I was just thinking, like, uh, you're, you're saying this, okay, I an example of back in the day, this is years and years ago, I started running a game where I had in my head, I came up with what was going to be amazing. This was going to be so much fun. They were going to find, and it was it's a, it's a revamp of, of something that's been done to death now. Uh, and still, but they, they were going to find uh, space marine armor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a D&D game. And they were going to find, in an ancient tomb, <clears throat> rusted out space marine armor. And once they powered it, they would they could power it through magic, and they would have power armor. One person would have power armor. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea. And I had this, I had everything detailed, perfect. What was going to happen? I drew out the tomb. I drew out the armor. I was so excited for this. So we're all talking, and you know, you know, just while we're sitting around the table waiting the game, and then somebody says, "Oh man, well that was like in the one game we played when they found the spaceship." Worst thing ever, you know. And you're like, wait, what? what do you mean? And they're like, oh god, I hate that whole technology and D and D crap. Oh my god, and I'm like, yeah, it sucks, right? And they're like, oh god, it's terrible, worst thing ever. And the more I, the more they talked and they were not kind about it, the more I found out this would have been the worst campaign. So now, this two week long ordeal that I sat and worked on, I had to scrap. So oh, man. I wound up, I ditched the power armor and just gave them, you know, it was an offshoot of something else. But, you know, everything else pretty much stayed the same and I tied it in more to, instead of being futuristic, it was ancient. I just pushed it back to ancient, you know, like, and I left the future part out. You know, it's so so futuristic that it was from the past. You know, I kind of just got rid of all the mind trippy future 40K stuff. And mm-hmm. threw in, this is an ancient set of armor from an ancient hero, blah blah blah. And it ran, and, and you know, like I said, it wasn't epic. It was fun. Everybody had a good time, you know. And they, they, you know, came up with their own little shticks that they were gonna do. And but for the most part, I had to audible because just hearing everybody, just I would have been lynched because oh, they man. were telling us exactly how much how. Oh, that game was terrible. We found a spaceship and there were robots on the spaceship. It was terrible. Uh, you know, I think everybody knows the campaign, but you yeah, know, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: And I thought that was a fun one.
2: I mean, I yeah, like. it. You know, but that's the thing; it's your players. The people right. I played with were strict D and D people, leaning towards the oh, no guns in D and D, no black powder in D and D. You know, they they were that leaning towards that. So that was their that was their view. And then there are people I've played with in the past who I always thought I said, oh, they would probably enjoy that a little more. And I just never brought it back out because I'm like, eh, it happened. it's, it's past. But th- sometimes you just got to call the audible and just scramble and find something else. And even though you know you put work in and you put time, and you think it's innovative and the, and the most brilliant thing ever, sometimes you just got to change it up for the yeah. sake of the the players, and that's why you're there. You're not or, there, yeah, just to you know tell your story.
1: Yeah, or you like. I was gonna say you like that. Uh oh, moment. I I had a situation a few years ago where actually <laughs> this was this this was the situation which actually had me take a break from DMing for a couple of years. They were going through Temple of Elemental Evil, or at least a Hackmaster version, titled as a, as Evil, and they found the uh, the that golden orb skull Mm -hmm. and then they they got to the point where they I mean I think they maybe went to the first level and then they found through various different ways a quote unquote shortcut to find that that orb anybody's familiar with the adventure you find this this orb which looks like a little itty bitty golden skull it one of the things if you destroy (laughs) it It destroys the dungeon. It destroys the temple. So they were able to figure it out. Actually, he was able to... They were able to... Well, they found this thing. They knew it was some some sort of artifact. So the first thing they thought, okay, let's destroy it. And I'm like, oh, damn. (laughs) There's like three other levels that they haven't even gone through. And... They're going to destroy the thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with it. See if, they, let's see what they come up with. And they destroyed the darn skull. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I'm like, okay, so you hear the, there's this rumbling that you're hearing and stones are falling from the ceiling and the walls. And it seems like the place is collapsing all about you and they run out of there and they see the temple it like collapses on itself and all the other four three or four levels of the temple all collapsing and i and i said all this and i'm like fine you happy now you literally destroyed the dungeon <laughs> they're like <Yeah>. what <laughs> well, so i'm like i, I just said I, I went with it and i'm like okay i need to take a break
2: <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a situations where you know, despite you try not to you try not to give them too much of a hint, right? Like, you know, you, you give them the hint, but you try not to give them a give it. You don't you don't want to just give it out. And, and I don't
1: want to say no, you can't destroy it, blah blah blah, because right. that's going to ruin the whole campaign. Be angry,
2: and then they'll spend the rest of the campaign trying to destroy it other ways.
1: Right? I'm like, okay, fine. The hell with it. Destroy it. Right. Go ahead. You know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay and i went with it and i'm like yeah they they're 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 a unique bunch <laughs> it's just, yeah, they they literally destroyed the dungeon see so there they steal everything out of it if it's not bolted down they're taking it it could well, be have, it, could,
2: it could be chairs it's hackmaster so they got tons of retainers to carry all that crap for them
1: that and also a cart <laughs> or a wagon or something yeah. I, they're doing that even now in the current campaign they're that like one of the number one priorities when they're in the town village wherever they're going to find a donkey or 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 a, a draft horse and a wagon so whatever That's... loot they're going to haul out of the dungeon they're going to do it. it doesn't matter if it's monetary or it could be like sheets of vellum <laughs> with nothing vellum's expensive Well, there you go. That's like, oh, this is a lot of money. What kind of wood is this chair made out of? I don't know. It's mahogany. That's
2: old school. That's old
1: school. Mahogany, oh, that's worth a lot of money. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Fell off for it again. (laughs) Yeah, but that is old school. You're absolutely right. If it's not bolted down, they're taking it.
2: (laughs) Everything everything in this dungeon is made out of IKEA plywood.
1: Yes. So, So you guys know. Or that's why, uh, yeah, that's why you just got to be ready for that sort of thing. So, I don't know. Vince? Vince is dead.
0: I'm not dead. I'm right here. I'm just watching the audio recording.
1: I don't know. I guess what you could get out of that is you just got to be on your toes as a DM. Like... Yeah. You just... Sometimes you just... If they put you in that... Uh oh moment yeah. you don't want to be the dm who's gonna suck the fun out of it and say oh you can't do that because blah blah blah
0: because blah blah blah
1: whatever the case may be. <clears throat> well the case may be because you're gonna ruin the damn campaign
0: right and your gamble. players
1: are
2: just gonna they're gonna spite you and try to do what they did yeah. every other way
1: yeah so you might as well just go with it you know, if they want to do something and and that goes just the opposite at that. Those are like, you know, what they did with the temple of e- as essential evil was a smart thing to do. The opposite goes if they want to do a stupid thing, <laughs> if they want to do something dumb, Let go them. with it. I'm yeah. not going to stop them.
0: Yeah.
1: It's their characters.
0: <laughs> All right. I think maybe that's gonna wrap up the show this week. You think okay. yeah. Okay. I think we've we've chatted on enough about this. If you have any questions, you can email us at rfistaff at gmail dot com, or you can head to our website and make a comment at RFI find us on Facebook, find us on G Plus, five seven oh eight six sorry, five seven zero eight six five forty two ten is our hotline. Hotline. This has been hotline. Volume four, episode or issue number 166. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone.
2: The Roll for Initiative Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfi-podcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative.